Here we go. Here we go. Evil minds at plot destruction. Sorcerer of death construction. In the fields of bodies burning. As the war machine keeps turning. Death and hatred to mankind. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist Woolless Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Here we are on... Anarchist World This Week. That's right. Here we are on Anarchist World This Week. Once again, if you wonder what Anarchy is all about, Anarchist Society is a voluntary, non-hierarchical society based on the creation of political and social structures which are based on equal decision-making power. That's a direct democracy. It's a society where wealth is held in common. Why these two things? Why do we concentrate on power and wealth? Well, Anarchos... Without rulers, that's right, without rulers. How do you create a society without rulers? You devolve power and you share wealth. You don't need a PhD in political science to get that one. All you need to do is think about it. What gives people the ability to exercise power over others? Inequalities in the decision-making process and inequalities in wealth. So what's an anarchist? Well, an anarchist is somebody who'd like to live in a society without rulers, not without rules. Let's get that correct. For far too long, people have had the wrong connotation as far as anarchism is concerned. It's a political philosophy which has been around since time immemorial. It's a social philosophy, philosophy, cultural philosophy. It's about us being able to govern ourselves without the need of an outside authority, whether it's religious base or secular base, imposing their will on us. It's about breaking down hierarchy. And people say, well, you anarchists, you know, you little anarchists, you believe in the goodness of human nature. Well, I've been on the planet a long time. I've been an activist for 50 years this year. May 68 was uh, my crucible of fire. And I can tell you I trust no one. And no anarchist trusts anybody. Because an anarchist says that he or she is responsible for their decision-making. We understand that each and every one of us has feet of clay. We understand that each and every one of us, if put in particular circumstances, will basically do things which aren't very moral or ethical. But in a society where you rely on rulers to maintain order, what actually happens is that people are not required to use their brain in every particular situation. So we understand. That's why hierarchy is what gives individuals the power to affect the lives of not just those around them, but millions, if not hundreds of millions of people. So the Anarchist Project is to break down hierarchical 
divisions in order to ensure that idiots like me don't hold the reins of power because we all have feet of clay. All right, let's move on. This is the Anarchist World This Week broadcast across Australia. That was the philosophical bit. The rest is a bit more practical. Now, those of you who are waiting on the report of the 10-day vigil in the steps of the Victorian Parliament House, well, it's an exceptionally uh, important event. Not because we changed anything. Let's be realistic. There's some one person who's realistic on the planet. It's me. But because we planted a seed, because we stared the state, the state and the creator in the face and remained there for the full ten days holding that banner up, because sometimes little actions can have profound consequences. And I'd like to thank... Les Thomas, who came to uh, sing to us, he was the first entertainer who came to sing to us on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House, and he sang that famous Gurindji song, From Little Things, Big Things Grow. So our action on those ten days, and there are an extraordinary number of people that need to be thanked, because let's not forget, we did not get permission. What we did was not legal. We had to be on constant vigilance as far as the protective services officers who are involved in the parliamentary precinct are concerned, who continue to harass us during the whole 10 days. And don't forget the whole protest was under 24-hour CCT surveillance. And let's not forget the weather wasn't the best. But at the end of the day, neither the state nor the creator could move us. Let's remember that. Let's remember that. Because sometimes little actions cause big ripples. For example, and I'll speak about this later on, the Eureka Rebellion, a little action caused big ripples, which we still feel in Victoria in 2018. When people say Victoria is the most radical state in Australia, it's radical, not just because of what happened on the 3rd of December, but the consequences of that Eureka Rebellion for decades to come. Now, during those 10 days from the 14th to the 24th of November, we planted a seed. A tiny, tiny, tiny little seed on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House. And the wind and the rain have driven that little seed into a crevice on the parliamentary steps. And we will be back in early February to fertilise and water that little seed. And over the next four years, that seed will grow into a massive tree which will rip apart, metaphorically, the steps of the Victorian Parliament House. Because what we stood for during those ten days continues, in my opinion, to be the single most important issue facing all Australians, not just Victorians. And that's the question of housing security. Now, I'd like to thank Community Radio 3CR for supporting the vigil and for the effort they made to ensure the anarchist world this week went to air via outside broadcasts from the steps of the Victorian Parliament House. I'd, I'd like to thank Michael Smith for being the anchor 
in that exercise. I'd also like to thank all those listeners to the Anarchist World this week who over the years have listened to this program who came to support the public interest before corporate interest organised vigil on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House from the 14th to the 24th of November. It's good to meet so many of our listeners. I'd also like to thank our brothers and sisters from Ruminations, a homeless program on Community Radio 3CR, including um, Bobby Dazzler, Tony, Zoe and Kelly for being involved and all those members of public interest before corporate interest who came and stood with us during this action. So, what did we achieve, if anything? What did my standing at the same time in the election in the seat of Albert Park for the Housing Minister achieve? In the end, we don't have any parliamentary legislation. We have nothing to show for our efforts except something which is more important than that final victory which we will have the next few years. But the fact that we were able to create bonds and create a social movement which will have a significant impact on Victoria and the rest of Australia over the next three to four years because we aim to continue this campaign. The, the vigil on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House was just one salvo in this battle. The fact that I stood against the Victorian Housing Minister, Mr uh, Foley, was one step or a quarter of a step. But the important thing is to build on the momentum that was created by this event. Now, I have many, many, many people who I could single out because when I first raised this idea around six months ago, people thought we were mad, stark, raving mad, that we would achieve nothing and the action would be collapse within a day or so. Well, it didn't. We stayed there for 10 days before the Victorian state election. We left at, at our own undertakings at 6pm on the, on the Saturday, the 24th of November. We began at midday on the 14th of uh, November. We held that ground despite pressure, not just from the authorities but from, the, from nature, and we have begun a long, complex journey which will have a positive benefit for hundreds, for millions of Australians over the next three to four years. Now, somebody sent us a poem. Now, if you want to look, if you want to follow up the. the thing. You can go to a hashtag parliamentary public housing 
parliamentary vigil. So the hashtag is public housing parliamentary vigil. Okay, that's the hashtag. You can also go to the website. Uh, you can go to the Pipsy website, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. You can go to my personal Facebook page, Toscano for the Public. You can go to the Public Housing Everybody's Business Facebook page and you can go to Defend and Extend Public Housing Facebook page. Now, I'd just like to read out this poem, which I was a little bit touched by. And being an old bloke, you don't get touched by much. It's called... It's from DK. Whoever DK is, thank you. We held the banner high. We came together from many places, not knowing each other very well. Wounded lives, but open hearts. We held the banner high. Ready to face power with hope and striving to build a better world with courage built from pain, we held the banner high. Alone we were scared as sheep, led by one who dared to hope. We became united for a cause and we held the banner high. Politics and police arrayed are for us, a struggle as old as time. Eureka flows deep within our veins. We held the banner high. We grew from sharing of ourselves, alone unworthy of the struggle, and built a cause others could see. We held the banner high. Cold and rain pushed us hard and tested our singular wills, but we couldn't forsake each other, so we held the banner high. My heart doth shed a tear, for this experience was pure, never to be repeated in history, cause we held the banner high. And this band of equal humans, rich of heart if not possession, can live forever as a beacon, for we held the banner high. Frail as we were, we held the banner high. Forever to be our light, we held the banner high. Eureka in our hearts, we held the banner high. Don't be afraid and dare to hold your banner high. So basically it encapsulates the essence of the protest, the vigil. It's about resistance. It's about biorec action. So what was written on this banner? which we were willing to hold up for 24 hours a day despite pressure from, from, the, uh, from the authorities and the weather. Well, on this banner was written this very simple statement. It said, that public housing is everybody's business. It's not just an issue about the homeless. It's everybody's issues. We could house one million Victorians in public housing by 2029 if we used the Victorian stamp duty revenue, $6 billion per year for public housing. And stamp duty is a tax which is paid by people who buy a house to the state government. Now, those of you who are excited by Labor's victory. This is a victory 
ultimately about railway crossings and infrastructure. It's not a victory which is based on looking after people. Now, if there's one thing I learned during those 10 days and nights, and I spent those 10 days and nights there, is the fact that just down the road from the Victorian Parliament House, less than 50 metres, less than 50 metres, hundreds of people are bunkered down, some on the streets, some in unsatisfactory accommod- uh, temporary overnight accommodation because they can't get access to housing. And I'm talking about pregnant women, women, men, old, young, most not drug-affected, some with psychiatric issues which are, are not addressed. And what I saw every morning, and I'm talking about one o'clock in the morning, is a militarised zone in that area of Burke Street, a militarised zone. Police vehicles circling, public order vehicles, public service officers in the parliamentary steps repelling the homeless, trying to manage an unmanageable problem. And this is something that should not be occurring. People having to defecate and piss on the streets because there aren't enough toilets. People having no access to showers. People being taken to public hospitals for major psychiatric disorders and discharged because there are no beds. This is the 21st century in Victoria. This should not happen. And the same story is replicated across this great country people sleeping rough within 30 to 40 metres of parliament house night after night month after month police trying to keep a lid on a situation they cannot resolve now it was good to see the Victorian public rejected the Liberal Party's law and order platform, more jails, more police, more laws. But it's time that the issue of housing affordability, not infrastructure spending, was put to the fore of political and social debate in this country. It's all very well for governments to take on personality politics, to take on single-issue politics, to take on cultural issues. But fundamentally, the Australian Labor Party is nothing more than an alternative Liberal Party. Their economic policies ape neoliberal policies, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation, Increasing inequalities in our community. No wonder they don't have the capacity to even solve a problem which is on their doorstep. Parliament House on top of the hill, the homeless scattered around the city, a huge block of people between Parliament House and the Burke Street Mall. Go there.
You go there during the day, you don't see an issue. Go down the laneways, smell the urine, see people waiting. Go there at 6am, watch people being thrown out of these temporary overnight accommodation. See their belongings seized by the authorities. No lockers. I mean, we have... Obviously, there are security issues. You know, they have X-ray facilities when you go to the court, when you go to the airport. What's wrong with having X-ray facilities in these areas and allowing people to put their possessions, their worldly possessions in a locker? What's wrong with ensuring there are toilet facilities for people? What's wrong with ensuring there are showering facilities. But this issue is much bigger. And this is what we will concentrate on from the first week in February. And I will outline a plan early next year about how we, yes, we, you and me, and all those people involved, and all those people who watched us on the net, and all those wannabes who want to be involved... We will create a platform where we will make public housing everybody's business. Obviously, the 10-day vigil was just, just a beginning. You can't sl- slap at yourself in the back and say, you know, great campaign, good vigil, went well, you raised issues. What we need to do is press the advantage The Victorian state government thinks it's home and hosed. It doesn't understand that housing is a fundamental issue which is not addressed, was not an election issue. Our vigil did not make it an election issue because the corporate-owned media and the government guild at ABC decided it wasn't an issue. Well, it is an issue. When you have people paying 30 to 40% and some cases 50 to 60 if they are on Social Security benefits of the cash, the money they have at their disposal to keep a roof over their heads, everybody suffers. Public housing is everybody's business. And I'll tell you why. If stamp duty money was allocated to public housing, you could spot purchase and you could assign caseworkers to people who required caseworkers, who wanted caseworkers to help them solve the issues that they're facing, the devils they have to face. You could eradicate homelessness in one month. One month. You could eradicate the eighty to 90,000 people who are waiting on the waiting list. You could eradicate that waiting list in one year. And if you continue to use stamp duty revenue for public housing, you could house one million Victorians by 2029. And what's the cost? Maybe it will take a few more years to create another railway line, another tunnel, remove another railway crossing. But the benefit for this campaign, public housing, everybody's business, and this is that campaign which was initiated by public interest before corporate interest, the thing about this campaign is it benefits everybody in the community. There is nothing radical about this. All it takes 
is a majority in the Legislative Assembly and a majority in the Legislative Council to support this initiative and things can change overnight. This is a campaign which is designed to put pressure on parliamentarians to change priorities and put people before infrastructure. As I said before, we will be doing it. We'll be reactivating, reigniting this spot fire in the first week in February. And we will continue this campaign to the next federal election and the next state election until governments understand the essential nature of affordable, secure housing. And we are the only ones who are able to do that. So keep listening. Keep your ears and eyes open. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. Now, I'd like to have a, a few more thanks. Now... Uh, the backbone of a successful 10-day vigil were women. We had homeless people with us. We had people in the workforce. We had people in their 80s. We had young people who came and joined us. We had the rational and irrational. They're all there. But four people I'd like to uh, give a special mention to are uh, Beryl, and Sandy, and Trudy Lee, and Zoe. Those four women spent... Two of them spent ten days and ten nights there, and another two spent nine, ten days and nine nights. And it's not easy. I'd like to thank the octogenarians, and you know who you are, Richard, and John, and Jean, who came to stand and sit with us. And like to thank those young people and those ho- homeless people who took the punt and stayed with us because they understood the essence of the campaign. Public housing, everybody's business. Stay tuned. The campaign has only been launched. As I said, we planted a little seed on those concrete steps of the Victorian Parliament, which was built in 1854. We swore the Eureka Oath every day because we channelled that vigour, that defiance into the people there. Every day we swore the Eureka Oath, and I'll go through that in a minute. We plant that little seed on this dark, damp, wet, cold, miserable, inhospitable steps it rolled down into a little crevice and it's sitting there in that crevice waiting for us to come back and fertilise and water it. And we will come back and we will fertilise it and we will water it and we will create over the next few years a mass movement which makes public housing everybody's business. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's program. You can ring me on 0439 395 489. You can write to me at Post Office Box 20 Parkville 3052. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. A number you can go to uh, to follow the...
public housing everybody's business 10-day vigil go to the hashtag public housing parliamentary vigil a number of facebook pages you can you can look at to see what's going on you can go to the anarchistmedia.org that's a web page facebook pages defend and extend public housing public housing everybody's business my own personal facebook page toscano for the public and more and most importantly of all the pipsy website which we will be updating early next year now there's one thing i learned that you need to have direct action and parliamentary action needs to work in tandem you need to have both roads you need to walk on both roads that's right and as far as the parliamentary angle is, it's quite interesting to see how the Victorian state election, you get micro-parties, uh, which get less than 1% of the uh, vote, um, claiming houses in the Legislative Council. It's quite, quite extraordinary when you get a party like the Greens, which is around 10% of the vote, maybe reduced to maybe two Legislative Assembly members and maybe one Upper House member. It's quite interesting. So there's one thing I learnt, and I've known for a long time, is you need to be in both games in order to have an, a significant effect. They can use the state apparatus, the police and the courts to squash direct action. And our action for the 10-day vigil, you know, we survive through good luck, good organisation and tacit police support. Because the police, know they can't you know, police their ways out of this homeless bottle, human bottleneck. They need public housing. They need the state to give the necessary resources to the social sector, the housing sector, in order to resolve this festering carbuncle which is about to burst. They know that. They're not stupid. So I'm encouraging you to join public interest before corporate interest, the political party which I'm convener of, which uh, was established in May 2015. That's right. We have over 800 members, 300 and I think about 95 are on the electoral roll. We need another 150 members to register public interest before corporate interest as a federal political party. And what I've, un- what I've understood is the important role micro-parties play in an electoral system which is structured to ensure the two major parties continue to rule the roost. Now, I would like to see, before I die, public interest before corporate interest registered as a a major political party, actually registered as a federal political party and possibly a state party in Victoria. We're nearly there, as they say, when the kids ask you, are we there? We're nearly there. We need another 150 people on the electoral roll to join. And it's all very well, you know, saying, well, we'll wait till the next state election. It's all very well to leave decisions to your parliamentary representatives who make decisions which basically uh, are approved by the corporate sector. It's all very well to do that. But you need to be in the game, you know, to get involved. So we would like you to think seriously of joining public interest before corporate interest. You can download the application form by going to pipsi, P-I-B-C-I dot net. That's right, pipsi, P-I-B-C-I dot net. 
download the application form. Haven't got a computer? Ring me on 0439 395 489 and I'll send you an application form. Um, or you can email me at info at pipsy.net or we can actually post it out to you. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. If you're going to have a, a, an effective direct action campaign, it's also important to have an effective political party involved in that campaign. So we would like to be registered. But again, ultimately it's up to you. It's like the vigil. People came, they saw, they came back, their friends came, other people joined. It had a momentum all its own. It's the same with public interest before corporate interest. We've had a bit of a hiatus in terms of membership over the last six months as we actually haven't been recruiting or pushing the ideas. But I will be pushing this for the next six months until we've got the numbers to actually apply for registration as a federal political party. We won't be ready for this federal election, but we will be ready for the next state election and the next federal election. But ultimately... Whether we go ahead or not depends on whether you are interested. So, if you've been thinking about it, now is the time to join PIBCI, P-I-B-C-I, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. Download the application form. Phone me, I'll send you out an application form. Write to me, we'll send you out an application form. Okay, let's move on. Fascinating, isn't it? How the federal and the state Liberal parties are reeling. Now, they did just win an election in South Australia and Tasmania. Let's not forget about that. But in terms of the disease that has infected the Liberal Party for the last two decades, the so-called Institute of Private Affairs, Masquerade's Institute of Public Affairs, and Christian fundamentalist groups lately, people who think the Liberal Party is all about the culture wars. Well, the culture wars are finished. The culture wars are dead. The culture warriors are holding on to the ruins of a Liberal Party which they have destroyed. They are disappearing up their own assholes on a daily basis. Climate change is a reality. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander rights are a reality. Feminism is a reality. Gender equality is a reality. Marriage equality is a reality. These are all social issues which are becoming increasingly adopted by Australians around this country, people around this country. And we have these so-called deluded culture warriors continuing to battle on when their arms have been chopped off and their legs have been chopped off uh, via the uh, night skit on Monty Python. I forgot what his name was. Think of them. Blood gushing out of the Parliamentary Liberal Party. It is hemorrhaging to death. You know what the problem with the Parliamentary Liberal Party has been across this country? They have stopped listening. They think the artificial reality which is created by Murdoch's Australian newspaper and Fox News is reality. 
They think that what they think is important is reality. It is nothing more than a sick fantasy. They are dying on the vine. The culture wars are finished. We have won the culture wars. They are struggling for survival. Let's see what happens after the next federal election. Let's see what happens with that struggle for survival. Because if the Liberal Party doesn't clean out the Aegean stables, they will rot. And we will become the effective opposition. Because let's not forget, although the alternative Liberal Party, masquerading as the Australian Labor Party, has taken on the trappings of equality, has taken on the social issues, it has not taken on those fundamental economic questions, that fundamental struggle about growing inequality in our society. They have not. Or, if you look at the Andrews government, it's all about private-public partnerships, privatisation, corporatisation, globalisation, with a little thin veneer of respectability by talking about a treaty of Aboriginal Australians, gender equality, marriage equality, racial equality, important issues, but not fundamental, not fundamental to the type of society we are. So think about it. Think about it. Enjoy the moment while you can. Watch them. Watch the culture warriors. Blood drip down the drain pipes. Watch them die. They have caused so much damage in this country over the last 30 years and they continue to cause damage. And they cause damage because their allies in the corporate-owned media and, more importantly, their allies in the in the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. People have been so frightened of these paper tigers, they've kowtowed to them. We've seen program after program on the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, you know, become a mouthpiece for people like the Institute of Public Affairs, when people like myself and you, you know, part of that cultural, that political, that economic diversity, that political diversity, never get a look in. Because they're so frightened, so frightened of this telephone box minority. You know, who march in the opposite direction on every important social issue for the sake of marching in the opposite direction. So it's time to remember that we, as a community, need to embrace the big issues the huge issues, the issue of inequality, how to resolve that. We have forgotten. We think government is about identity politics. This is not about identity politics. We think social struggle is ultimately all about identity politics. We think that activism is about click activism. And the good thing about the 10-day vigil was learning and understanding how that Basically, clicked activism is about voyeurism. It's about people watching and looking and liking, but not getting out of their comfortable chairs and joining those struggles. 
And that's our responsibility. That's where we have failed as activists. We have failed as activists to mobilise large sections of this community. And what that 10-day vigil did is actually mobilise people who have never been mobilised before. The usual faces weren't there. The identity politics people weren't there. The celebrities weren't there. What we had is ordinary people, in my opinion extraordinary people, who had had enough, who came and who will be part of the backbone of this new social and political movement which will make major changes in this society in a peaceful, non-violent manner. Because the state loves violence. It feeds on violence. The media feeds on violence. It is their reason d'etre. That's what they're there for. They love it. They love the push and shove. You know, the fugs. They love it. But they can't deal with non-violent people who are pushing important messages about inequality in this country and, more importantly, messages on how to resolve those inequalities. Now, Monday, the 3rd of December, is Eureka Day. That's right, the 3rd of December. And since 2002, we've been holding the Reclaim the Radical Spirit of the Eureka Rebellion celebrations in Ballarat to celebrate Eureka Day. And this year, it's doubly important... Because on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House we had the Eureka flag, a large Eureka flag flying for the whole ten days. And every day we swore the Eureka Oath and we channelled their defiance and their spirit. And the Eureka Oath is a very simple oath. We swear by the Southern Cross to stand truly by each other and fight to defend our rights and liberties. And it's quite strange how some people now think that the Eureka flag is a racist flag. The Eureka flag is the flag of equality. Men and women from all corners of the world, black and yellow and white and brown, were involved in the Eureka rebellion. John Joseph, the first person tried, tried for high treason, was a black American who was in the stockade with the Eureka rebels, who shot dead the deputy commander of the soldiers who attacked the Eureka stockade at around 3.30am on the 3rd of December 1854, and he was acquitted by a Melbourne jury of all charges. And so were the other 12 people from all corners of the world, speaking all languages of all colours. The Eureka struggle can be encapsulated in four words. The Eureka struggle was about internationalism. It was about people of different religious faiths, different nationalities, coming together to fight their oppressor. When you're in a difficult situation, you don't ask the person next to you where they come from. I'll give you an example. On the ninth day of the vigil... It was in the early hours of the morning. It was windy, it was rain, people were exhausted. We didn't actually would have enough people to hold up that banner 
between 1 and 5am that morning. There were two of us left. It was Vic, who you all know from Maribyrnong on one side, I was on the other side. And out of the blue came this Tigran refugee, a black man, and he sat with us till the early hours of the morning and he held that banner up. We didn't ask him who he was, where he came from. He was one of us, and that is the Eureka Oath. We. We swear by the Southern Cross. Why the Southern Cross? Many people think it's a religious analogy. It's not a religious analogy. You can only see the Southern Cross in the Southern Hemisphere. That's right. And those people who are camped on the diggings in Ballarat, what told them every night as they looked in the sky as they went to sleep that they were in a different part of the different world was the Southern Cross. So they swore by the star they saw. We swear by the Southern Cross to stand truly by each other. As I said internationally, solidarity. It's about solidarity. The vigil was about human solidarity and fight to defend our rights and liberties. They believed they were born with inalienable rights and liberties which no one could take away. And when people say, how dare they raise a flag on Aboriginal soil? They didn't raise the conqueror's flag. They didn't raise a flag which they stuck in a corner and said, we claim these lands for the king or queen of England. They raised a flag which said, this is who we are. This is who we are. It was not about claiming anybody else's land. And on the morning of the rebellion, when the, di- the dead were there, people were dying of their wounds, the local Aboriginal people came and collected the children that had run away, that were frightened and cared for them for the next day or so until they were reunited with their parents. And let's not forget Raphael Caboni, one of the prominent activists in the Eureka Rebellion, lived with the local Aboriginal people for over a year. And his opera, Gilburnia, was the first official written statement which saw the Aboriginal people of this land as the victims of colonisation. So we have everything to celebrate on Monday the 3rd of December. Everything. Internationalism, direct action. What could be more direct action than taking up arms to defend your rights and liberties? Solidarity, human solidarity, people working together on a common cause. And direct democracy. Not this limp version of democracy where every four years you're forced to go to a ballot you know, and put a number one in a box somewhere or number your boxes in the Legislative Assembly and hey presto, we have these people who make decisions for you for the next four years courtesy of the corporate Australia and the government girl at ABC and the corporate owned media. Now this was direct democracy 20,000 people chose delegates who went down to Melbourne to negotiate with the government of the day and came back and reported back So these are the four things we celebrate on the 3rd of December. Internationalism, solidarity, direct action, direct democracy, the essence of the Eureka Rebellion. So I'm encouraging you to join us. Now, when my late wife, Ellen Jose, and myself went to Ballarat in 2001 to join in their celebrations, there was nothing, 
Nothing happened on the day. It happened on the weekend closest to the day. And my late wife turned to me and said, this is not on. This is crap. And she was an Indigenous Australian. And she said, this is garbage. People not even recognising they're dead on the day. And we organised to reclaim the radical spirit of the Eureka Rebellion celebrations in 2002. And we've been having them every year. And last year they are in honour of my wife who died in 2017, Alan Jose. And this year it's in honour of those people who took part in the vigil, those people who have highlighted how important it is to be part of a social struggle to be, to be on the margins and bring those margins into the centre. So we'd like people to join us on Monday the 3rd of December 2018. You can do all the stations of Eureka from 4am to 10pm or you can pick and choose what you want to do. 164th anniversary celebrations. We start at the Eureka Stockage site at the corner of Eureka Street and Stall Street in Ballarat at 4am for the dawn ceremony which will be held next to the old Eureka Memorial. And the dawn ceremony normally is broadcast live on Community Radio 3CR. You can listen to it on 3cr.org.au, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Communal breakfast, Eureka Hall. You need to bring your own food and drinks at 6am. Around 9am, we march from the Eureka Park to Bakery Hill to reaffirm the Eureka Oath. We swear by the Southern Cross to stand truly by each other and fight to defend our rights and liberties. 9.30am to 10.30am, the presentation of the Eureka Eureka Medals at Bakery Hill, Eureka Australia Medals at Bakery Hill. At 11am, we're in front of the Ballarat Town Hall around 11am to just highlight to the good doyens, the citizens of Ballarat, who don't even know what the 3rd of December is in the majority of cases, sad to say, and to the Eureka councillors that it's about time the Eureka flag was flown on the main flagpole of the Eureka Town Hall on the 3rd of December. Then we walked to the old Ballarat Cemetery to pay our respects to all those who died in the Eureka battle, and we encourage you to bring flowers and if you are coming for the breakfast bring food and drinks we don't do any catering but please bring flowers for the day then we walk back to the Ballarat Trades Hall at 24 Camp Street for a light lunch bring your own food drinks at bar prices then we walk to the Eureka Centre and Eureka Park to view the Eureka flag afternoon tea in the park at about 3.30 and lo and behold our major, one of the major, one of the, we have two major sections. We have the the dawn ceremony, the uh, time at the Eureka Cemetery, and the Eureka annual dinner, which will be held at the Queen's Head Hotel, one four six Humphrey Street, North Ballarat. Bring your own, uh, you buy your own food and drinks. You don't have to bring anything; you just buy it. So seven, 7 p.m. to ten p.m. Eureka. And our guest speaker will be Dr Anne Beggs-Sunter, the foremost living Eureka historian and champion. And she'll be talking about two Eureka legends who have recently died, Bob Walsh and John Maloney. Entertainment, the Bard from New South Wales, possibly members of the Black Orchid String Band. Now, 
If you'd like to make sure you got a seat, you can always ring me on 0439 395 489. That's for the dinner. Or email at theanarchistage at yahoo.com. Uh, there's about 80 seats there. First come, first served. If you haven't got a booking, so come along. If you can't make anything else, make the dinner on Monday night. So join us 4 a.m. to 10 p.m. on Monday, the 3rd of December 2018. You've been listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. Some websites you can go to, uh, Defend and Extend Public Defend and Extend Public Housing, Anarchist Media Institute, anarchistmedia.org. You can uh, Pipsy, you can download the application for pipsy.net, a few Facebook pages. Public housing, everybody's business. Defend and extend public housing. Public interest before corporate interests. Anarchist Media site, my own personal Facebook page, Toscano for the public. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station via the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. See you at the Eureka Rebellion Celebrations, 4 a.m. to 10 p.m., Monday the 3rd of December 2018 for the 164th anniversary celebrations. You can always go to the Anarchist Media website, anarchistmedia.org, download the poster, find out what's going on, but then come along to the 4am ceremony at the Eureka Stockade site at the corner of Stall and Eureka Street, Ballarat. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station courtesy of the uh, courtesy of the community radio network listen in next week and don't forget that hashtag public housing parliamentary vigil get yourself ready for february the first week in february where we will be continuing this fascinating struggle thank you once again see you at ballarat 4am this monday the 3rd of december Stay on to 10pm, get involved in all the activities, come to the Eureka Annual Dinner at the Queen's Head Hotel, 146 Humphrey Street, North Ballarat, buy your own food and drinks. And as I said, the guest speaker, Dr Anne Bagsunta, the foremost living Eureka historian and champion. Listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station by the Community Radio Network. Evil minds that plot destruction of death construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse 10am every Wednesday Listen to the Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events Poisoning their brainwashed minds Oh, Lord, yeah.